It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, I'm older and I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Welcome. Oh, yeah, man, how you doing? You good? I know you like that. Oh, yeah, we are back. First show of 2023. Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, our resident DJ, playing a song I've never heard before. Actually, there's part of that I've heard before. Welcome back, Cotter. That's kind of from my generation. Welcome back, Brett. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, back in the, the, the pilot's chair. Uh, it is good to be back here on the Sports Rush. Big show to start 2023. Of course, uh, after being gone for nine days. Yeah, I was down in... Well, actually, I've been gone for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think my last show was actually two weeks ago today. Hard to believe it's been that long. It really, Yeah, time flies. I mean, we, the holidays, I think, helped it flew right by. Yeah, because uh, it was Tuesday, December 20th was mm-hmm. the last show that I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday, we had the Maryland at Purdue Fort Wayne women's basketball game. And boom, I was out to the airport on a plane by that night. Exactly. And in Florida to go to bed. So I was in Florida and I got there just in time to enjoy one warm day <laughs> before the temperatures plummeted. Yeah. Now, when you go to Florida, okay, you're you're paying to get warm weather, and I know it was ridiculously cold here, okay. And I'm not I'm not trying to make light of the fact that it was really cold here by saying it was in the 40s in South Florida for the yeah. high, because yeah. down there you're usually expecting upper 70s or 80s. Sure. And uh, I mean, the iguanas are falling from the trees. Oh man. That actually, there was actually a warning that was put out for people to watch out for falling iguanas because when Aww. it gets cold, they actually yeah. go into like a coma. They go into a shock coma of some sort and fall from the trees. Cold-blooded reptiles. And then people are dumb. They think it's their chance to collect an iguana for a pet. Oh, geez. And then as soon as it warms up, they've got an iguana that's, yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was cold. It was in the 40s for a couple of days. And then it got into the 50s. And then eventually it got into the 70s, and I got a chance to come back. <laughs> so not a not a day at the beach. No. Not, it was not that kind of vacation. But, um, you know, at least you weren't scraping ice off your car and all that fun no, stuff. No, but I will say this. We went to the Pacers-Miami Heat game. Yeah, you did. Down in Miami, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you got to see a really good game there from uh, Tyrese. Uh, absolutely. Saw a classic, and uh, the Pacers ended up, uh, after Miami had gone on like a 15-3 to run to mm-hmm. tie the score, mm-hmm. with 14 seconds left, Pacers got the ball, came into the front court, 
And somehow there was a defensive mistake, and they left Tyrese Halliburton with a good look at a three, and boom. Yeah. Nothing but the bottom of the cup. Boom, baby. Yeah, it was uh, it was a triple that won the game for the Pacers with like two seconds left, and Miami did not have a timeout, so they couldn't advance the ball. Had to take it the length of the court. But uh, we went into that game, and it was probably about 65 to 70 degrees. We came out, and I think it was around 45 Wow, and yeah, and that's down in Miami, too. Down so in Miami. You're all the way down there. Well, I mean, even when, I mean, we were like 20 miles north of Miami for Christmas Day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Went over to my uh, stepdaughter's house. And um, and I think the high, well, the high never got above 49. Mm. But but most of the day, it was like 46. So it was not the kind of Florida vacation you know, usually you try to escape the winter weather, uh, and it just happened to get really cold up here. I understand that. But, you know, the one thing I have to look forward to every year is that I've got a December trip to go down and enjoy some warm weather for yeah. a little break from the winter here in the Midwest, and I didn't get it. That is that is pretty tough. I'll tell you what. I mean, complete opposite. When I went, it was August, and every day felt like stepping out into a, a sauna. Well, that you get that most of the year. And in fact, just uh, a week or so ago, it was 84, 85. In yeah. fact, my wife had to send me a message, I think, on New Year's Eve that it was like 84, 85 and high humidity. Um, and so they were back to normal. Just so happened it got cold when I was there. Go figure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that Pacers-Miami game was pretty darn exciting. And yeah, uh, my no. son and I had a little wager on it, so I made Ooh, a little money back. There you go. Were you, it cost like a, a 150 bucks a ticket. But Were you cheering for the Pacers in the crowd? Yes, I was. There you go. Did you uh, draw any ire from any Heat no, fans? No, because what was nice was the two people sitting right next to me had Pacers jerseys. Now, I did not have a Pacers jersey. I didn't wear anything. I think I had a black. I, I think I had the I, black IPFW. IPFW. <laughs> <laughs> ought to be fine. Ought to be fine for that. Can you tell we're yeah, coming back? Yeah, I was going to say, vacation. don't don't let Kaufman hear that one. Oh man, Purdue Fort. I had a black Purdue Fort Wayne sweatshirt or pullover sure. or something like that. Sure. And um, and so I I didn't. I mean, I didn't take any Pacer stuff. I mean, you yeah, you don't plan to dress. We for weren't going to go. Games, yeah. And the tickets were like two fifty to five hundred bucks a piece. And but then we got there and it was like as it got closer to the game, the prices were dropping. The prices were dropping. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think when I bought the tickets, I finally got them for like 101 a piece. Nice. And they were like nine rows up. Right yeah, up, right yeah. I the saw basket. where you were at. They were great. Oh, they were great seats. Yeah. So uh, really had a good time down there, and uh, that was a lot of fun to get a chance to see a Pacers win and make a few bucks off my kid. Yeah. Always, nothing wrong with ever <laughs> taking a few bucks off your kid. Uh, you know, they're the ones that make all the money and don't have anything to spend it on, so they might as well give it to dad, make (laughs) stupid bets. Might as well. So I could tell you a story about betting, but I won't. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, New Year's Eve, had a chance to watch the college football playoff games. What a day that was. I think that, that had to be the best pair of college football playoff semifinal games we've ever had. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, it should be Michigan and Ohio State. Should be, but it's not. Michigan got robbed. Now, Michigan would not have won the game. I mean, we'd be dreaming to think that if they called that targeting, that Michigan was going to still have a miracle play to get it into position. To, yeah, to I mean, win it. obviously it would have helped, but you can't say that that would have won the game for Michigan. But you tell me how uh, a call that has gone a certain way all year long. It 
doesn't go that way. It should have been in the biggest game of the year. Yeah. I, I mean, know. the officials and the replay officials, whoever it was, they choked. They didn't want to get themselves involved right. with what could potentially swing a game. And so they decided, just let it stand. Let's move on. But that was as obvious a targeting call as you could you could get against TCU. I would I would agree. I mean, defenseless player. He comes in, mm-hmm. second man in. First guy's got him by the leg. Second man comes in, lowers the head. Goes helmet to helmet, crown of the helmet, leads with the helmet. I mean, it was as obvious a targeting call. In fact, I think I tweeted after I saw it. I said, that's the video that they're actually going to show to future officials and say, this is an example of what is targeting. Call it. <laughs> but we didn't. Yeah, but we didn't call it. Uh, and, and I'll agree with any Michigan fans that thinks that was a bad call, but I'm not going to say that's the difference in the game. Right. But Michigan, I, I thought, should have won the game. Um. And then Ohio oh. State. Uh, what do you even What do you even say about that? I mean, uh, man, what a shank! And a, and a kid that's been so accurate. I mean, he's been a terrific kicker, but it just shows what the pressure of that moment does. And here's my frustration with this for Ohio State. I thought they made a couple of really bad coaching blunders. First of all, when you don't want to allow the big play, you're up a couple of scores. Yeah, late in the game, you don't want to give up the big play. You want to make if if Georgia is going to score on you, you want to make them have to earn it, right? Well, we see it in the NFL all the time. We complain about it, but it's that soft shell type of coverage where you just you know sit back, let everything happen in front of you, come up and make a sure tackle. Ohio State for some reason gambles with man-to-man coverage. And they get burned. What happens? Big play, quick score, and all of a sudden Georgia's got all the momentum and they've got Ohio State then on their heels. Yeah. Just a really, really head-scratching, dumb coverage call by the Ohio State coaching staff uh, to go man-to-man in that situation. I mean, and and if you want to go man-under, at least have some people deep. In other words, play a seven or eight man coverage and have a couple of guys deep as protection. Yeah, because he's got nobody was yeah. there to help. Once no. once he got beat down the sideline, nobody there to help. No. Dumb. And then I thought Ohio State was comfortable getting into field goal range. A little too comfortable. Hence why they ran the football on first down. Right. Never leave it up to your kicker. Because you see what happens. How many times have we seen it happen? Too many. Even reliable kickers. Yeah, doesn't matter in a lot of these situations. Under that type of a pressure. And, you know, you kick two or three balls during the course of the game. It's not like a quarterback where, you know, he comes out, might have a little extra adrenaline, throw a couple of passes high, has time to adjust, and goes the rest of the game fine. Nope. You've got one moment, and you come out cold, with your one moment, and you have to kick what is a fairly long field goal try. Mm-hmm. Even if you've been great all year long, that's the regular season against Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> against Maryland, against Rutgers. Uh-huh. Against Indiana. Ooh. Well, yeah. that's the reality. Yeah, it really is. It, it's not a game to put you in a national championship and knock off the defending champions. And I thought it was a mistake for Ohio State. They've got C.J. Stroud having a a career-type game. I thought he was fantastic, and I'm like, ride C.J. Stroud. He's your best player, not your kicker. 
C.J. Stroud's your best player. Sure. And yeah. sure, you don't have Marvin Harrison out there. He got hurt. I understand. But you've still got good receivers. You've got a guy that's playing as well as any quarterback has played throughout all the bowl games that I've watched. Trust C.J. Stroud to get you more yards. And I thought they they collapsed. They 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 played the old uh, conservative game. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in field goal range. Now we're going to look at the clock and see how we can get the clock down close to zero. And at that point, lost the game. Yep. I mean, sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Yeah. I mean, the kicker missed it, but you also set him up to miss it by putting all that pressure on him by saying, "Okay, we got to the thirty yard line. We're safe now." We don't have to move it any further. We're close enough for you to kick us a field goal, and just the pressure continues to mount. First down, second down. Now, all of a sudden, the kicker's thinking, i got to make this from 48. Man, that's a long kick. Um, and and the pressure just keeps adding up before he finally has to run out there. Yeah. I knew that there was a problem. This is when I was watching. I knew there was a problem as soon as the Ohio State kicker, during the timeout, immediately took his helmet off. It's like, I need air. Oh, jeez. Did you notice that? No, Did I didn't. No. Okay, they, they called the timeout to mm-hmm. ice him, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like they needed to. I think he was already about to panic. But they called the timeout just before they were getting ready to snap the ball for the field goal. Uh-huh. And immediately the kicker turned around, looked the other direction, and immediately took off his helmet. Oh, geez. And at that moment, I thought, okay, that's a sign to me of nerves. If you're comfortable, you're relaxed, you can keep your helmet on. You don't have to take the helmet off right away as soon as they call a timeout. I thought it made him made it to me look like he was nervous. And, uh, of course, then we saw the result, which was not even close. I mean, and, and then the funny part of it, I don't know if you saw the split screen between the ball dropping in New York City and the kick. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. Do you know that the kick went wide of the upright yeah. at exactly 12 midnight? Right when the... Uh, at zero. Wow. At, when the ball dropped and it lit up the 2023 sign in New York was just as that ball sailed past the upright. Couldn't have been timed any closer. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. A reminder... Maybe you've forgotten over the holidays, but it's 46862. Any text? Uh, not for us, oh. but I was just kind of looking up some stats about his kicking. He was 37 of 41 on field goal attempts at his time at Ohio State and 17 of 20 in 2022. He said, yeah. well, his family posted today that said he's... Is that his stats as of now? So he was 17 of 19. 17 of 20 in his attempts in 2022, so now he's 17 of 21, I would, I would assume. Oh, okay. But oh. yeah... His, his family released a statement today, said he takes full responsibility for the miss and all that stuff. His family had to release a statement? Yeah. I mean, that's like an offensive guard who misses a, a block to say, my family has released a statement saying, I apologize that the running back lost two yards because I failed to make my block on the play. You've got a job. It didn't work out. Move on. Quarterbacks throw interceptions. Kickers miss kicks. But I think for Ohio State, it's... Uh, the coaching staff should look in the mirror because that is one where they gave up trying to advance the ball. They had they had the momentum. They had Georgia on their heels. They had a quarterback who was playing terrific. I would have trusted him. And if you throw three incompletions, that's fine. The ball still sits there at the 30s. Then you're forced to kick it instead of accepting that you're going to throw it from the 30-yard line. 
46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Of course, last night, oh, painful to watch the situation that happened in the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. Yeah. I was watching Purdue, but all of a sudden Twitter just broke out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same here. And I had to switch over, and I got there just as the ambulance was pulling away toward the exit of the stadium. And I thought, what is going on? And then I I realized rather quickly that we were not going to get a replay from ESPN. So I went where every American does, to Twitter and YouTube, to see if I could find out what happened. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, my stomach just sunk. Yeah. Horrible feeling seeing what happened. I mean, basically, it was the first step of death. His heart stopped and he stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. That's dying. And the medics got there quickly enough. Yeah, and I mean, when you hear them, when you hear that they had to use to revive him, CPR, AED, everything like that, it's just it gets <sighs> really serious, really scary, really fast. So. But uh, so much to talk about with that, and we're going to do it with someone that uh, a lot of our listeners might remember from his days at uh, Fox Fifty Five, Fort Wayne's Fox Fifty Five. Mike Bunt used to be the sports director before Justin Prince over there, mm-hmm. and Mike Bunt left. He moved to Buffalo, where he now has a podcast, follows Buffalo sports, and especially his passion, the Buffalo Bills. And so I've asked him to come on the show today to give us whatever he's hearing. Obviously, the news much more local in Buffalo. So Mike Bunt is going to join us next to talk about the whole DeMar Hamlin situation and what is he hearing in Buffalo about his condition. Um, You know, I think the first thing we wanted to hear was he was alive, right, That, that there was life. Now we want to hear he's breathing he is recovering, and he's out of critical condition. And so far, we have not heard that, and that's a little scary. And so we'll talk to Mike Bunt, find out what he knows when we return. Kevin Bowen, 93.5107.5, the fan down in Indianapolis, is going to be our guest coming up in hour number two. Right now, it's our pleasure to welcome back somebody. He uh, is, is gone, but not forgotten. He is in Buffalo, and formerly he was uh, a sports director at uh, WFFT Box 55 here in Fort Wayne, and uh, he has gone back to Buffalo, where, of course, he is a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Please welcome to the Sports Rush on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, Mike Bunt. Mike, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on today. It's great. Now, catch us up, because it's been a while since you've talked to the folks here in Fort Wayne. What are you doing? So right now, I'm I'm back in Buffalo. Uh, I went to Rochester after Fort Wayne to be a news reporter. Did that for a little while, and now I'm with uh, this podcast network called Cover One. Uh, we're kind of a alternative media in Buffalo, but uh, we have uh, a bunch of podcasts, written content, and Basically, uh, we form a lot of relationship with, relationships with the Bills players and uh, talk a lot about the Bills uh, on a weekly basis. Well, I, uh, I knew you were all over the Bills, uh, whether it's be as a fan or a media member. But congratulations on the progress that you're making with the podcast. But we want to talk about 
what happened last night. A very highly anticipated game that I'm sure had a huge audience. And then one of the most frightening moments you could probably ever see in a football game when a player collapses. And I remember Hank Gathers. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember Hank Gathers when he dropped for, was it Loyola Marymount uh, with Paul Westhead as the coach? Westfall, Westhead, Westfall, I don't know. Um, see, I only remember parts of it. But he dropped in the middle of a game on the court, and uh, and it was a similar kind of a eerie feeling where you spend a lot of the time not knowing, did we see a man die right in front of us on a football field? Um, it was just a very empty feeling without getting a report, a thumbs up, or anything like that. What were you going through as as a Buffalo reporter? What was going through your mind at that moment? Honestly, I was scared out of my mind for for Demar. Um, when you first see the injury, the, your first reaction is, "Uh oh, the Bills now are down two defensive backs." They pop back. Uh, from commercial, they finally show the replay. You see him go down, obviously scary, another commercial. And then you start seeing Josh Allen with his hands over his face, Tredavious White, who's one of the most energetic, mm-hmm. great people in football, falling on the sidelines. You see Stephon Diggs crying. And then you start to realize this is not good. Um, this is very bad in the players surrounding him. And I got emotional. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I cried last night. Uh, I was scared for DeMar. Um, I was scared that we might have just seen a player on the Bills die in front of a national audience. And luckily that wasn't the case. Uh, we're still waiting on updates. But it's one of the scariest feelings that, that you can go through as a, as a fan, a teammate, media member, regardless of who you are. Uh, I've never gone through that to that magnitude before. Well, and I've heard a number of doctors trying to explain it today, and apparently it's a very freak type of injury that uh, has to have a perfect timing with the rhythm of the heart for a blow like that to cause cardiac arrest. What what information are you getting in Buffalo? I mean, you've got to be getting maybe more than we're hearing nationally. Is there anything more that you've heard as far as his condition? So it's really limited at this moment, and a lot of it is still speculation. Like you said, the the main thought is that he went through what is termed commodio cordis, uh, which is basically when you get hit in the chest and during basically a specific millisecond of, of your heartbeat and basically leads to cardiac arrest. And that is the thought from most people that are speculating, that are talking to doctors. Uh, We don't have any updates from the hospital or any inside information from any time after when the Bills uh, made their announcement in the early hours of the morning. Uh, The thought process is after you have an incident like that and you are taken to the hospital is that they will normally put you to sleep for a period of time over 24 hours and then reevaluate after that point. So I wouldn't expect much of an update today, but it's going to be stages after this. And hopefully there will be some good news whenever they do end up 
coming out with more information, but right now it's just a waiting game. And I think so. it's so hard because the lack of information just makes us always fear the worst, I think. I think it's human nature that when you don't know, and the longer you don't know, you start to fear that, fear that it could be a worst-case scenario. Um, how well did you know DeMar Hamlin? I did not know him personally. I've, I've met some of the Bills players, uh, Aaron Johnson, who was in the same defensive backfield as him. I, I never met DeMar, but having talked to Taron Johnson, uh, who was hurt actually a little bit before DeMar Hamlin in the game last night, he would always talk about how the the members of the Bills' defensive backfield were very, very tight-knit in a family. I actually asked him um, in early November, what is your favorite thing about being a Buffalo Bill? And Taron Johnson said, my teammates... My my brothers in the defensive backfield were family. It's the best part about being in the NFL. And for those that aren't familiar with the Bills, guys like Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, uh, Demar Hamlin, uh, Tre'Davious White, Taron Johnson, Kyer Elam, they are as close as you can possibly get in this NFL. They when they get announced prior to games, majority of the time they come out as one unit. So you saw it on Trey White's face when everything was going on. This is this is devastating. Mike Bunt joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. And uh, what's the thought in Buffalo, the reaction to the overwhelming response and generosity of people throughout the country that have donated into uh, DeMar Hamlin's charity? Just appreciation and love for, for everyone that is helped out the the amount is unbelievable in buffalo we uh, have a track record of trying to help out in situations uh when andy dalton helped the bills end their playoff drought in 2017 over four hundred thousand dollars was raised for his foundation um so we're used to trying to be giving Mm -hmm. but the national response I, I honestly couldn't believe it. It's it's spectacular, and w- with that that mission that Demar had, he was just trying to raise twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I believe it had ten thousand dollars before the the injury last night. To be over four million just shows that this country is is looking out for him. There's love for him, and we're all just praying that he can he can make a full recovery and at least be able to to live a normal life, uh, regardless of how things end up going forward. Mike, it's kind of an awkward subject to bring up, but Buffalo did beat Kansas City head-to-head, had a chance to get the number one overall seed. At what point is it going to be appropriate to open the discussions as to what happens with this game? I think it's something that's already started to take place. No one wanted to talk about it last night. That was not the time it wasn't appropriate. Today they announced that this game will not be resumed this week. So now you have the question, will this game be played at all? And if it isn't, what will the NFL decide to do in regards to how this impacts playoff seating, how this impacts the entire AFC? Because potentially this can impact eight different teams. Cincinnati was in a race for the AFC North where 
if you call it a forfeit, a tie, a no contest, if this game is not played, it will directly impact Baltimore. Buffalo and the result will impact their fight for the one seed with Kansas City. But the Bills also play the Patriots this weekend, and if they have nothing to play for, that could help New England's playoff chances. Miami needs New England to lose. Then there's a scenario where Pittsburgh needs New England and Miami, I believe, to lose to make it. And then there's also a scenario where Jacksonville loses to Tennessee on Saturday night. Jacksonville could still potentially make the playoffs as a wild card. So, obviously, the football side of this is secondary to the life in DeMar Hamlin getting better. But when you look at the football side, the NFL is in a pickle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there is a right answer for how them for how they're going to handle this. The the fairest solution, in my opinion, would be to push everything back a week uh, and let this game eventually get completed. But I don't think that's likely, given the fact that then you would have thirty other teams that would have to move things back. So it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Mike, appreciate the insights from Buffalo. Again, congrats on the podcast. Uh, we'll be sure to check it out. Where can we find it? So you can go to Cover One on YouTube. We have over 20,000 subscribers, um, and we are the Going Deep Pod on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock on Cover One Network on YouTube. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Cover One and uh, if you want to find anything from me on the Bills or any sports-related stuff, uh, I'm at Mike underscore Bunt on Twitter. Sounds great. Appreciate you taking time to talk to me, Mike. Appreciate that. And best Thank of you. luck with the situation that you've got with Demar Hamlin. We uh, obviously are sending our prayers, hoping for the best. We appreciate it. All the prayers that we can get are much needed and appreciated. That is Mike Bunt joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, former sports anchor at uh, WFFT. Fox 55 here in Fort Wayne. We're going to take a time out. We're going to come back. Plenty of football to talk about. Purdue, uh, Notre Dame. Hey, we'll talk about it all when we come back. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Brunt back in the chair along with Adam Lundy, our studio producer, who you never really got time off during the holidays. I had a few. Uh, I had a I had a weekend there for Christmas, and then I had a couple days here for the New Year's, so can't complain too much. Um, of course, uh, Shannon Griffith sat in for me. A big thanks to the coach for uh, filling in. Uh, what do you have, about five days? Yeah, I think he did... Uh, Four or five, and we also had John Nolan. In. Well, John Nolan had to take off because he had to go get married. He did do one. Big though. congratulations to John Nolan, now a married man. Yep, yep. Congratulations. So, uh, yep. Yeah, he'll. Uh, so he'll never get time now to come host. <laughs> uh, but uh, but he uh, he got married out in New Jersey, yep, his yep. home state, hometown. Got married uh, to Nicole, lovely woman. So congratulations to them. Um, but, uh, yeah, we appreciate John also jumping in while I was yeah. taking some time off. But, um, but anyway, coming up on the show, Kevin Bowen's going to be jumping on. He'll be in here about 515. Uh, plenty to talk about Mastodon's basketball. Of course, the Pacers, they are on a roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And have the Colts found a quarterback for next year? We'll talk about that and debate who that might be. Yeah. Uh, a lot of bowl games to kind of catch up on. First of all, uh, Kentucky fell flat against Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. Embarrassing performance by Kentucky. But, you know, 
I think these these bowl games, what we have to do is we have to set up a, a program where you opt in or opt out by a certain date. And then the bowls get the opportunity to decide who they're inviting. Yeah. Purdue without O'Connell and uh, no Charlie and no Charlie Jones. They they were not competitive at all and did not did not have a team that could compete in the Citrus Bowl. No. And so if the Citrus Bowl would have known that Purdue's quarterback would be out. Right. Their receiver, who was far and away the favorite target of Aiden O'Connell, they would uh, they would then be able to reconsider who they want to invite to the bowl. Now, some of the bowls have contracts with certain uh, conferences, etc. Mm-hmm. But but there are some some flexes, some some leeway, and it just seems to me like when teams start losing their best players. And it's the best players that are going to be out because it's the ones who believe they have an opportunity to take the next step and move into the NFL. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think that they have to let the – they have to somehow proclaim that or declare that prior to the bowls being announced and, and divvied up. Because yeah. you should know before you schedule Purdue to play LSU that Purdue is going to be basically a JV. Yeah. I mean, that's almost what it looked like because LSU made no contest of that. No. It does nothing for the TV ratings. It mm. does nothing for the networks that have paid for the TV broadcast rights. Um, you know, you look at uh, Purdue and uh, Austin Burton, 12 of 24. Yeah. Uh, they went, uh, they ended up going through what, four quarterbacks? I Three I quarterbacks? Yeah. I don't know. They, um, uh, I think they went through three quarterbacks, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> and um, not even I was going to say not even Drew Brees can save you. No, not even having Drew Brees on the sideline. In fact, they probably were hoping that if they kept going <laughs> through the depth chart, that maybe Drew Brees <laughs> would uh, suit eventually up. suit up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go out there and sling it a couple of times because uh, it was all LSU over the Boilermakers mm-hmm. in the uh, the Citrus Bowl. The cheese it the cheese its yeah <laughs> gotta make sure to get that in gotta gotta include the cheese its um also then Notre Dame South Carolina I I was impressed with yeah. Notre Dame because Notre Dame again with uh, Isaiah Foskey and uh, Michael mm-hmm. Mayer both being out mm-hmm. um I, I was impressed with how they handled things and uh, I thought Tyler Buckner did a nice job at quarterback he kind of showed that uh, that ability to take off on the run and uh, and yet also um, be able to uh, sling it a bit. He was 18 of 33. Now, he did throw three picks, and a couple of them were bad picks. Uh, was there two pick sixes in that game? I'm not sure. I, I keep thinking there, there was like two pick sixes, and uh, yet Notre Dame still found a way to win the football game. Um, it's kind of funny that these uh, box scores that I'm looking at, yeah, those box scores are... Uh, they have every <laughs> stat except the final score. Did, did you realize that? Yeah. I, they got everything but... Notre Dame won 45-38 to 38 there over the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Okay. And uh, I don't even know if we need to mention what Purdue's final score was. I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't want to mention it. The uh, Yeah, Purdue did not have a, uh, a good day against LSU. No, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think I... Uh, I was 
I was watching a bit of Purdue, and then I started to look for another game. Yeah. Then I looked for basketball. I was looking for anything to keep me away from the Purdue game. If you really want to know, it was 63-7. to 63? 63-7. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, hold on. Hold on. I got I to gotta look up something. Okay, go for it. Because uh, I know you've got to have the Purdue box score. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Oh, nope. The basketball team did allow more points. Oh. In fact, if Purdue basketball would have only allowed 63, we'd be okay. We, You know, <laughs> Purdue would still be number one in the country, although they're still number one officially because there's not a new poll. Not a but, new one yet, but yeah. Yeah, it was uh, It was kind of a, I guess, a you could call it a, a bad day. For, a bad, bad day for Purdue. This one goes out to all the uh, Boilermaker fans out there. Yeah, Purdue didn't have a real good January 2nd, 2023. Had a bad day. Had a bad day. <laughs> 63 to 7 isn't a good way to get your day started. Yeah, not a good day uh, for the... Uh, Big Ten in general the other day, either on Sunday. So, you know, you know. Well, that was the thing, Bert. The Big Ten won their first four bowl games. Yeah. And then lost four in a row. And uh, we're out. We're out of the playoffs. Yeah. So um, and so. Uh, so, in fact, yesterday, Penn State kind of saved the Big Ten and finished the, yeah. the bowl season with a five and four record. Thanks, Penn State. Thanks, Nittany Lions. But um <laughs> But uh, but anyway, Purdue basketball loses to Rutgers, sixty five, sixty four. They did it again. They let it happen again, Brett. They, uh, you know, and there were a lot of things that you kind of saw exposed in this game, and you got to give a lot of credit to uh, Coach Peichel and the uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights because they bottled up Zach Eady, mm-hmm. made things really tough on him. Now, yeah, he scored nineteen points, got eleven rebounds, had five offensive rebounds, but. They still, you know, sometimes what you got to do is just make things tough. Mm-hmm. Just mi- don't let things be easy. And they were not easy for Zach Eady. He got into some foul trouble, spent some time on the bench. Uh, Rutgers got out to the 10-point halftime lead, mm-hmm. and it was just too much for Purdue to overcome. You know, the one thing is you always use more energy coming from behind than playing from ahead. Always. And so I think Purdue used up a lot of that energy, and down the stretch, Rutgers ended up making the play they needed. They got the the big bucket from Cam Spencer to win it, and uh, Rutgers defeats Purdue at Mackey Arena, mm-hmm. 65-64, still 14,876 in attendance, even with the students not being there. Yeah. Of course, that makes a big difference to the atmosphere of Mackey Arena, although it was still very loud. Sure. Anybody that went will tell you it was very loud. But um, Caleb first, he finished with seven points, Edie 19. Fletcher Lawyer with 10. Lawyer hit the big bucket that you thought might be the winner. And then Rutgers came right back and scored. Was not to be. Uh, Definitely needed a little bit more there from uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren. He went 0 for 6, had one point. Yeah. Um, He really struggled. Yeah. And uh, and then was a minus 7 in the 13 minutes he played. Yeah. yeah, You know, like you said, uh, Purdue needed to hit the threes that they kind of forced from Zach Eady kicking it out, but they they only shot 30% from the field there for the threes. And uh, then uh, 39. Uh, and I thought Braden Smith was kind of a no-show. I mean, a little bit. 
Made some uh, turnovers. What do you have? Two, uh, three turnovers. Yeah, three turnovers. Edie turned it over three times. Brandon Newman turned it over three times. Beck Purdue, 13 turnovers. That's a high number for Purdue. Yeah, Rutgers definitely brought the pressure. And uh, and Matt Painter said that they did, he didn't feel good about it. No. Uh, didn't think that they responded. He says that's kind of a tough guy game, mm-hmm. and they were not a tough guy. Right, I think he said something about if we were going to war, we would stop by at Rutgers and pick them up to take with us or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it uh, not a good day for Purdue, football and basketball. Nope. And now Purdue has, I think, the toughest game this week when they go to Ohio State on yeah. Thursday. on the road. Coming off a loss, how do they respond? This will be very interesting in a hostile environment against yeah. a really good Ohio State team. How does Purdue respond getting the loss? How do they avoid letting one loss become two losses? Because mm-hmm. that's what's a jeopardy here, because Ohio State is really good. Absolutely. Uh, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We had a couple of texts that came in. Yeah, someone said uh, Ohio State did a bad job in the second and third downs, making the field goal manage- more manageable. This is about the uh, football game. He had to kick a line drive versus get it up in the air. Michigan was cheated multiple times by the officiating. I uh, I just felt like they were conservative type plays where they weren't in, intended to get first downs. They were intended to be low risk, low reward type plays that, uh, you know, you break a tackle or two. Maybe you're going to be able to get a first down, but kind of short throws. I, I just felt like trust your guy. And if you end up being stopped. And not stop yourself, which I think Ohio State did. I thought the Ohio State coaches stopped themselves on that final drive because they were comfortable with where they were at. We got one that just came across my desk here. Someone said, uh, should Painter have called that timeout after lawyer's bucket? Rutgers didn't have any left and reeling. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Because I guess the question was, why did he call it? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it gave um, Rutgers a chance to kind of... You know, you can always argue that, that it, it gives the offense the advantage of the timeout. And in some ways, the announcer said that Peichel was using his last timeout because he was quite sure that Matt Painter was going to burn one. They would give him a chance, and Matt Painter did. He used one. He had three available. He used one. And, um, and uh, yeah, and it, it kind of gave Rutgers a chance to refresh and refocus. Mm-hmm. But um, but it also gave Purdue the combination of players they wanted in, wanted in there specifically for the defense. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who they – I'm not sure who they made the switch with, but I thought they changed whether it was Gillis came in for first or uh, something like that. I thought they made one switch defensively. But um, you just don't – I mean, I can't sit there and debate that. It wasn't like it saved the game like the clock would have run out. Right. The, yeah. And it's it's kind of, you know, whether it was yeah. something that uh, that they wanted to go over because maybe in the scout they had seen a pattern that Rutgers like to use in late game situations. Maybe. And he wanted to remind his guys. It's kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's that's just one of those where you have to know what the purpose is, because. You know, let's say in the scout you had seen some some patterns when uh, Rutgers had a a uh, last possession before a horn, whether it was halftime, whether it was the end of the game, and you saw patterns. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Don't have my cough switch. See, I got. <laughs> but you saw patterns. Sure. And maybe you wanted to call the timeout to set up 
some type of defense, whether it's a switch on the perimeter, whether it's matchups as far as who's got what man. But unfortunately, it didn't work. Another one just came across my desk. They said, easy answer is make your free throws. Yeah. That, you know. Well, that too. And uh, what was Purdue? Yeah, the they were line? 19 of 28 for yeah. 60, 68%, basically. And here's the thing. When they're referring to that, I'm sure they're probably focused mm-hmm. on the two that Fletcher Lawyer missed. And here's what's amazing. Fletcher Lawyer is only shooting about, what, 67, 68% or something like that, the free throw line. He was among the nation's best free throw shooters. Mm-hmm. His senior year of high school. High school, yeah. I mean, the guy did not miss. It was automatic at the free throw line. I don't know what has happened that all of a sudden, I guess, the pressure. We saw the Ohio State kicker sank one yeah. night. Uh, yeah, game on the line, but he missed a couple, but he did make the big three-pointer. Yeah, he's uh, 78% right now. Oh, from 78, the okay. But it seems but, like 68 yeah. for a guy like him that, that was like 96% or something in high school. Definitely a little bit more pressure there in the Big Ten. Uh, we'll take a break coming up in our next hour. Hey, you know what? It's Tuesday. Almost forgot. It feels like a Monday, right? It does. Uh, that means we've got to come back and have a little Tuesday time capsule trivia. We've got to get it in today. We've got to do it. It's Tuesday. Yeah. And the coach failed to do it last week. That he did. I don't know what. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I didn't personally. Kangaroo court. What's the fine for not not following through as the host <laughs> to embarrass yourself in a game of Tuesday time capsule trivia? Uh, anyway, we'll. <laughs> We'll take a break. We'll play some Tuesday Time Caps trivia. A chance for you to win a large pizza at a pizza hut. Comes up after the top of the hour right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.